Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Can we give it up for Bethesda kids one more time? Amen. If you're looking for a great place to serve, don't look any further than Be Kids. Amen. What a wonderful job they did. We're so honored that you are here uh, for today's service. And make sure you don't miss the next couple. I believe that it's going to be uh, amazing time in God's presence. I love the Christmas season. I love what it what it means. When we first placed this series on the calendar this year, um, way back January, February, I, you know, it was on the calendar, and I really didn't know which way I would take this series because there's so many things that God has made available to us that we could unwrap during this Christmas series. How many are thankful for all the gifts and promises God has made available, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we could unwrap. Um, and But as I thought about a couple of things, the first being um, this time of year, it is joyous, it is a celebration, but for a lot of people, it's, it's a time of loneliness, it's a time of depression. Studies have proven that more suicides are uh, committed between Thanksgiving and New Year's than the whole rest of the, v- of the year combined. And so it's a very difficult season for a lot of people, and so I want to take a a unique um, turn with this series and and go to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, The word gospel means good news. Everybody say good news. All right. How many know that the message of Jesus is good news? And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they each bring a different perspective to the gospel. And what I mean by that is they each had a unique perspective on what they experienced with Jesus and how they wrote about that, how they articulated that, which makes a lot of sense because if I were to pass the microphone around this morning and ask every person here to say, you know, what what their relationship with God is like, how many know we would have a, a ton of different answers based on your experience, based on your perspective. Perspective is powerful. Uh, just, just as an illustration, think about social media for just a minute. A lot of people, they compare their lives with what people post on social media. And I think that's a dangerous way to live because social media is a highlight reel. It's like the sports center's top ten. Everybody puts their best on there and then we compare our behind-the-scenes life to what they are putting on the highlight reel, and we get discouraged. But how many know everything people put on Facebook, it ain't all that. Come on, somebody. Like, if you could pull back the curtain, right, you would see they got issues, they got problems, all of that. So it's uh, perspective is powerful. And so all of us would have a different take on our relationship with God based on what we've experienced, what we've gone through, which changes our perspective. And so that's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do for us. They, they each write the good news, but they do it from a different vantage point based on their own experience. Uh, there have been seasons of my life when if you would have asked me, what, I, what are you most thankful for, Pastor Chad? I would have said, I'm most thankful for grace. 
Other seasons it would have been, I'm, I'm most thankful for God's healing ability. Other seasons it would be that God provides. And, and it's, so it's, it's based on what we've experienced and what we are going through in that season. And so today I want to look at Matthew, since he's the first one in the New Testament, and let's look at what Matthew wants us to know. I believe that Matthew teaches us that Jesus is the Messiah and the King. Now, a lot of us, uh, we, we don't really understand what, what, I, what I mean by that. Matthew wanted the Jewish people to know, when he wrote his gospel, he wanted the Jewish people to know that Jesus is the Messiah. He wanted them to know this, this promised Messiah that would come, that the prophets talked about. Matthew wanted everyone to know that Jesus is that Messiah. He is that King. Um, go ahead and touch your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, Jesus is Messiah and King. This will make sense in a few. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. We're going to unwrap this side of Jesus today. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, I want to stop here and say, did you see how fast this thing moved? He meets Matthew for the very first time, and he gives Matthew two words, follow me. Matthew's never met Jesus before. And then the next line says that Jesus is at Matthew's house having dinner. Isn't it awesome how God, if you really say, God, I'm going to follow you with all of my heart, that's what Matthew did. If you, if you make that commitment that Jesus will start getting involved in all the things going on in your house. I mean, we go from this first time encounter to he's having dinner with Matthew. Now let's read on. It says, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they ate with his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled, the Jesus I never knew. And in that, he talks about how that he was raised in church, but he had a messed up view of who God was. But he eventually came to a relationship with Jesus, and he, he gives two reasons for why he came into a relationship with Jesus. The first one, he said, a lack of good alternatives. And I thought, that's a wise man, right? I mean, that's wisdom. How many of you, it's smart to follow Jesus. I heard one preacher say, it's dumb to go to hell. Right? He's made a way. I mean, it's kind of stupid to go on to hell. Uh, and, but people make that decision all the time. But the, the second reason, he said, is because of Jesus. When he looked at Jesus and what he did and laying his life down, that convinced him that he needed to follow Jesus. Jesus being the reason for this season that we are in. And herein resides the power of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John help us to fix our eyes, not just on a, a set of rules or, you know, a list of principles to live by, which the Bible gives us principles to live by that will bless us. But what separates Christianity from all other religions is that we don't believe in just a set of principles. We believe in a person. His name is Jesus. And, and so that's the beauty of, of 
Christianity. It's not just we're obeying certain things. We are in a relationship with this person who laid his life down for us. The New Testament was written in Greek between A.D. 45 and 90. And it was written to preserve the teachings of Jesus, to guard the church against heresy. Aren't you glad that we have the Word of God to guide us? We're not just up here winging it, right? We, we have the Word of God to guide us. And also to produce an authoritative body of literature. That's why we were given the Word of God. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they agree in language, they agree in material, and in order of events. Synoptic means seeing together. And though they have different perspectives, you see the congruency in their writings, even though their experiences were not the same. We come to see Jesus through the eyes of this tax collector by the name of Matthew. And, and, and we got to ask, I mean, who is this guy that gives us such incredible detail about Jesus? I mean, who is Matthew? His name is, is Matthew, also called Levi, and Matthew means gift of God. And he was a Jewish tax collector, which meant that he was to collect tolls and to transport taxes from both the local merchants and the farmers. And so he's an employee of King Herod. And Matthew knew the value of, of goods, all right? And, and he knew the value of things. He, that was something that Matthew knew. But tax collectors, if you read your Bible, you'll learn that they were despised by everyone because they got rich at the expense of the people. And that's why Jesus' association with tax collectors brought him a lot of criticism. So Jesus comes to Matthew's place of business where Matthew works and he tells him, he doesn't like sit down and have coffee and they have this long conversation. He meets Matthew and at a moment's notice he says, Matthew, follow me. And I love that about Jesus because he met Matthew where he was. And isn't it just like Jesus that he will meet you where you are? That it doesn't matter if it's at your house or a crack house, Jesus will meet you there. He will meet you on a bar stool. He will meet you. Come on, somebody, don't get churchy on me. He will meet you where you are. And he met him at his, I feel like preaching right here for a minute. Some of us, we act like we're cute and we got it all together, but if you could get up and just tell the world where Jesus found you, my goodness, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. You know where you were at when Jesus started speaking to you. We ought to be, be thankful for his grace and his mercy and his willingness to meet us where we are. And so he met Matthew at his place of business. He was letting Matthew know that I'll meet you wherever you are in life. And he was maligned by the Pharisees for associating with people like Matthew. And Jesus responded, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Man, I didn't even think about that until just now. Think about it. The reason he said that is because the Pharisees were upset that he was hanging out with a tax collector. So one of the reasons God called, Jesus called Matthew, was to let the religious people know, I'm not afraid to get dirty. I, I, will, I will call the one out. I will bring them into a relationship with me, even if it makes church people mad. 
I've learned about church people, man, we, 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 we so up and down. We say, I want to be a part of a church that grows until the church starts growing. I don't know how y'all feel, but I'm glad to be a part of a church where people can belong before they ever believe. Oh, yeah. I'm, y'all helping me. I, I'm telling you, 830, I was pushing and plowing. I feel like throwing a podium right now. Church history tells us about Matthew, and, and it's really neat because Matthew went on to, to travel to Ethiopia, and there he associated with Candace the queen, but he died there for his faith. He died a martyr's death. Why did Jesus call Matthew? Why did he call this tax collector? Why would he call someone that would bring criticism to his ministry. I believe that Jesus knew something that we need to be reminded of. That Jesus has a unique way of connecting our gifts to our purpose. As a tax collector, CPA, accountant, whatever word you want to throw on it, how many know one of the things you need to be able to do, if that's the kind of work you're in, is you need to be able to keep meticulous records. Come on, y'all. You can't be unorganized and do well in that field. So Matthew was able to keep meticulous records, and we see it because Matthew's writings gives us information, a lot of detail that the other writers don't pick up on. For instance, Matthew's the one who told us about the vision Joseph had in Matthew chapter 1. The other writers don't mention that. Matthew tells us about the Magi and the Bethlehem tragedy by Herod when Jesus was born. He tells us about the specific amount of, of silver coins that Judas betrayed Jesus for. He tells us it was exactly 30 pieces. He tells us about the dream of Pilate's wife in Matthew 27. He tells us about the appearance of Jesus uh, when Jesus was resurrected in Matthew chapter 27. The bribery of the guards in Matthew 28. The earthquake at the resurrection in Matthew 28. So he points to some specific details that not everybody got. And he's the only gospel that uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. How many know we're a part of a kingdom? We're going to talk about that a lot in January. We are a part of a kingdom. He, his gospel is the only one to mention the church by name. He frequently refers to Jesus as the son of David. And I'll tell you why that's important in just a second. See, Matthew has one paramount purpose, and that is to prove to the Jewish people that Jesus is the promised Messiah and that he is the king. The high point of his gospel, though, I think comes from Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus asked everyone, he says, who do men say that I am. And they gave him a long list of names of who everybody said that he was, but Jesus really wasn't concerned about everybody else. Come on, he wants to know what you think. And so he looked at his followers and he said, who do you say that I am? Peter got it wrong a lot of times, but this time Peter nailed it. Amen. He got it right. He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, stop right there, Peter, because you didn't get that on your own. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. When Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, on that revelation, I will build my church 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What, what's he building his church on? He wasn't building his church on Peter, y'all. Peter, he didn't have his stuff together. He was cussing half the time, cut, cutting people's ears off. He wasn't building his church on Peter. He was building his church on what Peter understood, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And Jesus said, on that revelation, I'll build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Somebody needs to be reminded today that the church is not going to lose, baby. We are going to win battle after battle, time after time. Come on, somebody. Give God a praise if you know the church is victorious. Woo! We got to know that we're not in this thing to lose. Jesus is going to make sure that we win, that we overcome. And so Matthew is very detailed and inspired by the Holy Spirit. He portrays Jesus as both Messiah, which simply means the anointed one, and king. How many know you don't need a king unless you have a kingdom? Ah. Number one, let's get into this. I got to quit in just a few. Number one, before I hit number one, let's back up. Sorry, guys. Told you I'm a little pumped up. The key word of his gospel is fulfilled. Matthew talks a lot about Jesus fulfilling things. This this happened because of what, uh, what the prophet said Jesus has fulfilled. So the first thing we need to get today, number one, Jesus fulfilled the messianic prophecies. All right, let me explain this. Matthew 5 and 7 says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Matthew repeatedly uses the phrase, this was done to fulfill what the prophets said in the Old Testament. Matthew 8, 17 says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And I know everybody's thankful for this one. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. So Matthew is is consistently telling us that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything the prophets said in the Old Testament. 60 references of the Old Testament and 40 quotations from the Old Testament are found in Matthew, and he consistently attaches that to Jesus has fulfilled it. Jesus has completed it. The second thing, Jesus fulfilled God's covenant with King David. Now, this is powerful. This scripture that I'm about to read, we read it every year at this time. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, Verses 6 and 7, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. One translation tells us of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You need to know that God's kingdom is going to get bigger. It's going to keep growing. That's what he's talking about. Of the increase of his government, the increase of his authority, it will continually grow 
and get bigger. He says he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, the Jews were looking for this person who would become the Messiah, who would sit on the throne of David. That's why Matthew details Jesus as the son of David nine times. Why is he doing it? He wants them to know, y'all don't need to be looking for anybody else. One occasion, the scripture says they were inside in the temple, and while they were inside in the temple, you know, praying for the Messiah to come, Jesus was passing by on the outside. They were missing what God had sent to them. And so Matthew did not want them to miss it, and so he refers to him as the son of David nine times, and he talks about the the kingdom of heaven more than 50 times, and he taught us three things about the kingdom. Jesus taught us three things about the kingdom. Number one, the kingdom comes spiritually. How many know this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom? It comes spiritually. Now, there, there will be It will also be tangible. The scripture records that we will rule and reign with Christ, not in heaven, but on the earth for 1,000 years. So, but it's spiritual. It will be tangible, but we know that it's spiritual. Matthew 4 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 18 3. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change, and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he tells us that this kingdom is spiritual. And, and one of the things that we have to, have to recognize is we should preach Jesus. The problem, though, is we need to preach Jesus, but we also need to preach what Jesus preached. A lot of us, we stop at the cross and the resurrection, but what was Jesus' message? Every time Jesus preached, he talked about one thing, the kingdom. He consistently preached the kingdom of God. He even told Nicodemus, you got to be born again. you got to be born into this kingdom. Come on, hit your neighbor and ask him, are you in the kingdom? His message, we need to preach Jesus, but we also need to start preaching what Jesus preached. The kingdom has a king. His name is Jesus. And that kingdom has authority over all the other kingdoms. Which means that you and I, as followers of Jesus, Jesus, we should be operating, extending his government, extending his rule into the earth. Why do you think Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As a follower of Jesus, you are a kingdom representative and you have the right to rule and to reign in the earth just like Jesus did. He said, the works that I do shall you also do, and greater works because I go into my Father. I'm telling you, we got to get a church ready to manifest God's kingdom in the earth again. It's time for the blind eye to be open. Come on, somebody. It's time for the deaf ear to be unstopped. We are a part of a kingdom, and we enter into it spiritually. We are either in the kingdom of darkness or we are in the kingdom of light. In or out. 
We're either in it or we're not in it. John 3 tells us, it says, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Colossians 1 says, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So the kingdom comes spiritually. It's part of the inheritance that Jesus has left with us, all right, to operate, to function, to move in this kingdom. The second thing here about the kingdom Jesus taught us was is that it would grow throughout history. Check this out in Matthew 13. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So the kingdom started in seed form. But he says of the increase of his government, there will be no end. What is Jesus talking about? You need to know, God doesn't digress. Like, it's not going to grow to a certain point and then get smaller. No, he, he explains the kingdom as a seed that will continue to grow, continue to flourish all throughout history. That's why Daniel prophesied and said that there was coming a kingdom that would break in pieces all the other kingdoms. It doesn't matter if, if, if you're a king or a president or a senator. Scripture's very clear. No matter where you come from, how much authority you have, Scripture tells us every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. How many know that Jesus is Lord today? He said everyone will, everyone will confess that. His kingdom is growing, so he's returning. And some of us need to be reminded today. The Bible says to encourage one another with these words. Somebody needs to hear my heart today. Jesus is coming back. It's going to happen. He is going to come back. And so we need to be prepared for that. The third and final thing that Jesus fulfilled was God's plan of salvation. That's the last thing that he fulfilled. And Matthew uh, outlines that. The prophecies of the Old Testament reveal that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, not only as a conquering king, but he would also come as a suffering servant. That's why Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and 5, he says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. The greatest words that have ever been spoken in human history were spoken from the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. That is the greatest words that have ever been spoken because what, what was finished, Pastor Chad? The law was finished. The sacrificial system was finished. Temple worship like they did in the Old Testament was finished. The order of the priesthood at that point was finished. The Old Covenant is finished. Some better news for most of us. Sin was finished. 
Death is finished. Atonement was finished, which means that salvation for the world was finished on the cross when Jesus pronounced it. And what that means is, is that he don't have to go back to the cross and die again. He did it one time. It accomplished what God wanted. He has fulfilled God's plan of salvation. Jesus' invitation to Matthew, this tax collector that the Pharisees could not understand why he would associate with people like this. He looks at Matthew one day and he says, follow me. And he comes to us, and that's grace. How are we to respond to that invitation? The same thing he spoke to Matthew is the same thing he's speaking to us. Follow me. And Matthew done something that teaches us what we should do in response to his invitation. Matthew did three things, and I'm going to end with this. The worship team can come. That'll help me quit. The first thing Matthew did is he left everything behind. All it took was two words, and Matthew left everything. Follow me. And he left everything behind. What do you need to leave behind in this season? We're unwrapping that Jesus is Savior and King and the Anointed One and all that, but you can't step into all that God has for you as long as you're stuck in the past. Matthew left everything behind. It's not just the sin and condemnation and all the bad stuff. Some of us need to leave behind the good stuff. Sometimes the good stuff keeps us from the God stuff. It's not always sin and condemnation and shame we need to leave behind. What is it that you need to leave behind? Maybe it's your self-righteousness. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Maybe it's your bitterness. Maybe it's your offense. What is it you need? Matthew left everything behind. He didn't try to take anything from his past into his future. He left it. Paul said, whatever, this is Philippians 3, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Look at what Paul said. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Matthew left it all behind. The second thing Matthew did is he followed Jesus with his whole heart. Now here's what I've learned about following Jesus with your whole heart. It sings well and it preaches well. But it's really hard to do. There are days I don't want to follow him with my whole heart. I know y'all holy and you got it together and you're always 100% on board with Jesus. There are days it's really tough for me to follow him. You know why it's tough sometimes? Following Jesus is not a walk of convenience. The Bible says in John 6 that he had multitudes, thousands of people following him. And I guess he wasn't into the church growth thing because he stopped and he looked at all the, this multitude of people and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part. And the Bible says the crowds all left. Luke comes behind Matthew and says, speak, he, he, he quotes Jesus. He said, 
If you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. Why, why did you put it that way? Because it's not always easy. How many's had some seasons this year that it was hard to follow Jesus with your whole heart? So Matthew, he left everything. He followed Jesus with his whole heart. And this is the interesting. You're probably like, where are you going with that? The third thing he did is that he held a banquet in Jesus' honor. Matthew went from one encounter where Jesus invited him to follow to now he's having a party. Jesus is at his house having dinner. You say, what's all that about? If you, if you read that slowly, you'll find out it wasn't just Jesus and Matthew having dinner. The scripture says the other sinners and tax collectors came over. What, what's Matthew telling us? You can't experience Jesus, his grace, his love, his goodness, his patience with you, his loving kindness, and then not invite your family and friends to come and be a part of what God has done in your life. I'm tired of talking to Christians and all they want to, they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. No joy, no anointing, no unction. All they want to talk about is how bad life has been and how hard it's been and how heavy the load has been and how offended they are. Come on, what do you need to leave behind in this season so that you can step into the fullness of the kingdom that God has for you in this season? Come on, church, if you believe it, stand to your feet. Let's give God a hand clap of praise in this place today. I really appreciate you guys, your attention today, and I could sense there's times as a preacher you preach and you're like, oh, Lord, where are you? Can I get off this platform? And then there are times when people are pulling what's in you out of you. And I felt today you guys pulling on what God had deposited in me. And I just want to remind you, Jesus is, don't, don't make that, you know, I, I know we have to make it for everyone. It is for everyone. But you need to make it personal. Jesus is your Messiah. He's, he's the anointed one for you. He's the king of your heart. Amen? That's what we're talking We're making it personal. He's done that for me. He's done that for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. In this moment, you may be here today and say, Pastor, I need Jesus to forgive me. I need him to come into my heart. I need to make him my Messiah, my king. I need forgiveness of my sin, for, for all the sins I've committed. I need his grace today. If that's you, I, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you say, you know what, that is me, I, I want to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Right there where you are. If you're watching online as well, see that hand right there. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Another one back there. God bless you. God sees that. Come on, if that's you, just, just throw it up long enough for me to acknowledge it. Today's your day. Today's your day. Just as he did with Matthew, he's coming by and he's giving you an invitation to follow him. Don't miss your moment. Come on, he's been knocking on the door of your heart day after day after day. and you, some, I don't know who this is for. Somebody's been thinking, I wish he would leave me alone. I just wish he would leave me alone. You need to know, his love is reckless. He's not going to leave you alone. Wow, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. 
Why leave with carrying that same burden in or out that you brought in? Why don't you leave a whole lot lighter? Jesus said, if you're tired, worn out, heavy laden, bring it to me and I will give you rest. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Anyone else? Thanks for this hand. God bless you up front. God bless you. Anyone else? Let's pray, church. Every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your amazing grace. Today, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give those people a big hand, a big God bless you. Amen. Worship team, y'all ready? Let's sing. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Don't leave without it. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.